welcome to Random Gaming Talk, it is Entertainment Talks podcast for video games. I'm your host Matthew, joining me today is Robert. How are you doing today? Doing good, I survived another uh, school event uh, <laughs> where I live, and I'm not saying that uh, you know hyperbolically, uh, the university that I live in, the city, uh, the Greek houses, you know, the fraternities and sororities, uh, do an event called the Little 500. It's basically because uh, I live in Indiana, so there's the Indianapolis 500. Uh, what it is is each house puts together a four-person team, and they race around uh, the bicycle, uh, they race around the uh, track on bicycles, and then they just use that weekend as an excuse to get blindingly drunk the <laughs> whole weekend. And again, I'm not being hyperbolic. Uh, many years ago, I used to manage a liquor store. Mm-hmm. And that store would sell three, maybe four kegs in a weekend. Kegs being basically the equivalent of seven cases of beer, roughly, in terms of volume. Okay. Uh, the last little five that I was the manager there, that store store sold 53 kegs in one weekend. Jesus. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it uh, is. I've, I've, I've not seen a keg in front of me before, but I've seen them on TV and stuff, so I know roughly yeah. what they are. I didn't know how much they held, but uh, I know what they uh, are, so... Well, in terms of dollar amounts, uh, there it's usually uh, 150 pounds. Well, in terms of weight, it's usually 150 pounds worth of beer, not counting the metal keg itself. So, cool. uh, it's a lot of beer. Nice. Um, so yeah, I did um, David's Geek Town episode yesterday. I think he's putting that up today. I'm not sure. It's uh, his. Um, when I say his business, I mean his actual business, not like. You know, when, you know when somebody says that's not my business kind of thing, I uh, mm-hmm. I don't mean it in terms of that, I mean it's his actual business, so um, I think he probably puts it up on Tuesdays, I'm not sure, but we're recording this on a Tuesday, we're going to do a TV podcast after, and both of those will be up on Wednesday, depending on what time we we finish both of these, um, usually we do what, 40 to 50 minutes for an episode? About that, usually? yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll see what, uh, what time it is after we finish this, and I have to walk the neighbor's dog, so... Um, good times. Uh, Always fun. So, yeah, so uh, what have you been uh, playing? Uh, I've been bouncing through a lot of stuff. I actually just restarted my uh, Mass Effect playthrough. Okay. Uh, well, uh, normally when I play an RPG, I usually play about three or four hours into the game initially and then restart it because there's always mechanics you don't learn, uh, things they don't tell you, things that don't, don't make it through the tutorial, things like that. Uh, Mass Effect seemed to have a lot of those. I didn't really have any problems with it, kind of like when I when we talked about the uh, uh, Fallout 4 and how I had some problems with the storyline and things they were doing with that. It never really was anything like that. I was perfectly fine with the story. There's just so many things that I screwed up not knowing what I was supposed to do or not do in terms of, you know, character building and the research through the uh, a system for crafting and the AVP stuff. It was just it made more sense to just start over from scratch. Okay. Plus, uh, I was going through the achievements because I'm not a massive achievement hunter, but I do like getting them. And there wasn't an achievement for doing a normal playthrough. The only achievement was on playthrough was going through insanity mode. Oh really? And okay. I didn't have it. Yeah, and I didn't have it set to insanity, so I just figured I'd just start over. Okay, fair enough. Um, I hope you have a have a nice playthrough. Um, what else have you been? I will. Uh, a little bit of GTA, but mostly doing the racing, um, mm. which is why I'm kind of excited for an update that's coming out that we'll talk about. Cool. Uh, 
every now and then my mindset will need to get just like this really slow methodical thing going on, and when that does, then I'll fire up Seven Days to Die. Uh, the only easiest way to describe that game is kind of an HD Minecraft, but with realistic physics, so there's like no floating blocks and you know running into things that are pointy will hurt you and things like that. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so it's, I've I've seen some trailers pop up for GTA and stuff, and I still very much like the game. Obviously, it's GTA is a phenomenal game. I've just been playing mm-hmm. other different things. Um, I kind of retired my playthrough of ukulele. Uh, there's two reasons. One is I never. You probably never thought anybody would say this, but it's a repl- it's a problem with ukulele that I had that was the same problem I have with Bloodborne. Is I don't like. I actually hate the idea of when you die, you start back at a at the same checkpoint each time. No matter how far you get with a particular thing. Now, obviously, this is treated differently in ukulele, where like, obviously, the tasks are a bit easier. You're not fighting these things. You're sort of um, jumping around, doing doing sort of nicer things. Um, but just the whole idea of like every single time you die, if you like climb the mass massive ways up this hill, it will set you back to the start level. And I just really started to get on my nerves. And also the camera really has some problems with the game. Um, I did find kind of the same problem with Last Guardian in terms of the camera. But Last Guardian, I kind of got used to it so quickly because of the fact that I was al- I always had this massive bird dog thing in front of me. And I always, had, I always knew that was going to be sort of a problem because there was going to be this massive thing on the screen and I'm this tiny little boy. Um, apart from that, Ukulele is a good game. Um, but yeah, I just decided that I was being frustrated with it more than I was enjoying it, and, you know, we play video games to enjoy them, to have entertainment, and I just felt like with Bloodborne and with Ukulele, I know they're different, very different games, I was just not getting any excitement out of either game, so both of those I retired, uh, Bloodborne I retired a little while ago, but, um, yeah, some people love Bloodborne, and they're Probably better than it, than better at it than me, um, and power to those people. But yeah, I just hate kind of the idea of you progress so far and then you start back at the same checkpoint every time you die. Um, did you play Ukulele or Bloodborne? Or uh, neither one of those games. Ukulele. Um, I I think I might have heard of it, but when you first brought it up a couple of weeks ago, I honestly thought you were talking about the musical instrument, not a video game. Right. Right. Uh, Bloodborne, uh, those really, like, super hard, difficult games that are intentionally difficult don't really fall into my wheelhouse. Mm. Uh, I do, I mean, I'm cool that they exist, because I grew up on, like, super hard games, but they were never intentionally super hard games, which is kind of the difference. Mm. Like, if you get around and play, like, a really, really classic game, like, uh, uh, the original Castlevania on the NES, or... Or uh, ghosts and goblins, things like that. I mean, they didn't intend to be hard games. Uh, the, the the first Ninja Gaiden on the NES, as well as another classic example of just like a freakishly hard game. Uh, but that was more due to the limits of programming, with like glitches and characters popping in and out and respawning accidentally, yeah. than a designer saying, "Okay, how can I make you cry today?" <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, with those kind of games, I just prefer to watch people online play them because then you get their reactions and they can kind of talk as they're playing, you know, like a commentary sort of thing. Um, and then sometimes is the case with different people that I've watched play like Bloodborne and Dark Souls is that when they die and go back to the start, they do a cut and then to, like they cut edit it, edit it to like where they were before. So you don't have to have the same frustration. You can just watch somebody go through the same frustration. Um, so that's always a, a good way to, because then you don't miss the game entirely, like the actual story itself, you can just watch somebody else kind of suffer for it. Um, so yeah, um, I did, however, once I decided I had retired ukulele, um, I played Battlefield 1, and it was awesome. Um, cool. Huh? I said cool. Yeah. Um, the, the, there's, I think there's like... It's like a kind of prologue mission, and then there's like five separate ones. I think it's four or five. I think it's six in total, but the first one you play is where you're told that you're not expected to survive because you're jumping between these soldiers in like the last moments of their life on the battlefield. Um, so there was, you know, certain missions I enjoyed more than others. Um, but the, the first one was my favorite, which is where you're in... Um, the tank called Black Bess, and they really do a nice job with, like, the characters and being like, come on, boys, we got to do this sort of thing, the whole proper, like, army talk, um, which was just done really well in the game. Um, I mean, everything from, like, the graphics to people shouting to, like, the kind of how realistic it was to sort of, like, you know, when you drive over um, dirt in the tank, you'd see it in the tank, and... Boy, do I wish I had VR for this game, um, because you can, and I know it's not a VR game itself, but you can use the mirror mode thing on PS4, um, so when I eventually get a VR for PlayStation, I'm going to go back and play it, um, because, I mean, it took me out very slightly, the fact that there was a TV in front of me, but I was still really immersed, like, it's an incredible game, have you played it? Uh, no, I have not, I'm not a big fan of that genre of games. Okay, um, there was there was some like parts in the game where I would sort of not be scared, but I would really feel the tension because like you know I'm walking into an enemy's camp and there's trenches and I have to get on the other side, I have to go all the way through and I have to stealth my way through. So it wasn't the same sense of like Resident Evil where you're like a bit more scared. It's more like I feel the tension because like if I end up in the middle of this trench thing in the middle of this person's camp and they spot me, uh, then I'm in some, in some danger because I've only got so many bullets. I also feel like the game gives you just enough ammo to get through a section. You never feel like you're sort of ridiculously overpowered or that you like have four bullets left kind of thing. You always sort of have mm-hmm. just enough ammo that if you reasonably manage your ammo, you'll get through the section. But um, yeah, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was awesome. There's a couple of missions I didn't like which took me out of it a bit, but... Just the general kind of atmosphere and like the voice acting and the effects and like just everything like that. It was just amazing. So um, the last time I kind of felt that with an EA game was uh, Battlefront because they really do tend to do the like say what you will about EA and the season passes and all the other stuff that they do. They nail atmosphere. Um, so yeah, I thought that was particularly awesome. Um, and then I went and played some of the Witcher 3 uh, Blood and Wine DLC. I've just sort of started that. And it got off to a pretty big, 
pretty big um, bang you sort of fight against this like troll type thing um, and the thing I love about the witcher when you're facing a boss is just working out like their strengths, weaknesses, when to attack, when not to attack and how to defeat this thing and then you know if they get down to a certain health bar they change their tactics and you have to work that out and then um, so that's been pretty fun as well um, so yeah, that's basically what I've been playing. I enjoyed Battlefield a hell of a lot. So, um, should we move on and talk about some news? Yeah, sure. Cool. Uh, so we'll see you in just a second for some third party and some Xbox news. And we're back to talk about some third party and Xbox news. Uh, let's start off with some games you can get for free. Or sort of for free. You have to be signed up for, uh, Xbox Live Gold, but uh, on Xbox One, Xbox Live Gold members can download Gianna Sisters Twisted Dreams Director's Cut for free during the month of May. Lara Croft and the Temple of Osiris will be available as a free download from May 16th to June 15th. Have you played either of these? I have not. The top-down Lara Croft ones, I think I played one on the 360 because it was a Games with Gold. I never really got into it. Uh, those isometric kind of games, you either really, really love them or, you know, you don't see the point in them. Uh, me, I kind of liked them, you know, on the early days back, you know, for the NES, Super NES, that kind of thing. But once, uh, you know, the Xbox and the Xbox 360 came around, I don't really enjoy them as much anymore. Uh-huh. Cool. Um, so I haven't noticed this first one. It's kind of the one in this month that's sort of the unknown game. Um, but Lara Croft Gaming, I played some of that and quite enjoyed it. I don't quite know why I stopped playing it. Have you ever done that? Just sort of played a game and not quite know why you've stopped? I think it was because other things just came along and I was just like, okay, I don't really know how long this game is and I really want to play this this next thing. Yeah, a couple of games have done that. Uh, the uh, Wolf Among Us, one of the Telltale games, It was, the whole season was free at one point, and I played through... Uh, Episodes 1 and 2, and I never really finished 3, 4, or 5. Hmm. Okay. I haven't really done I wouldn't really... I couldn't see myself doing that with an episodic thing, although I haven't played Minecraft for a while. Um, but I do intend to go back to that at some point. Um, on Xbox 360, starting May 1st, we have um, a bit of a Star Wars thing going on there. You know, the 4th of May, the force will, um, May the 4th thing. Um... Which, uh, you know they had the recent Star Wars celebration? I'm confused as to why that wasn't on May the 4th. Is there some other reason that they had the other day? I'm not sure. It used to be, like, way back in the day it was on May the, yeah. it was out on that May the 4th. Okay. And I'm sure really there is in, a reason. Yeah, I haven't really looked into why it was um, the other day that they did. Anyway, uh, on the 1st of May, Star Wars The Force Unleashed 2, because they did the first one a couple of months back. Uh, will be free for Xbox Live Gold members until the 15th of May. Uh, and then on the 16th, Xbox Live Gold members can download Lego Star Wars The Complete Saga um, for three through until the 31st. You played either of these? I'm pretty sure I played Lego Star Wars at some point. I honestly don't remember it. I think um, I did as well. It's just I'm not the biggest fan of like... like Nineless grinding. I mean, it's one thing for like Minecraft when you when you have to grind and then you have like a purpose or a goal you can set up for like, you know, get enough of this to do that or get enough of that to do that. But uh, 
the Lego games were just grind for the sake of grind, and I was never really a fan of that. Okay. What about the um, Force Unleashed? Uh, I forget. Honestly, I forget if I played that one or not. No, okay. no. The Force Unleashed, yeah, I was thinking of something else. The Force Unleashed 2 I have not played, but the first one uh, I have played. And it was a pretty good game. Yeah. You got a real good sense it? of... Uh, yeah, I think I finished it. Nice. I'm sort of uh, dropping in and out of, of that one because of other stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I intend to finish that at some point. Uh, so yeah, that's your games with gold for the month of May, which is in about a week. So, um, so the next thing I wanted to do kind of is more of a talking point. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, have you played the... F- I think I know what you're going to say, but have you played the first episode? Uh, no. Like I've said a couple of times, when the episodic things happen, I just wait for them to all be released, and then I play through them. Because I'll do that with uh, Walking Dead number three. Okay. I love the first two games, but just waiting that long it was just annoying. Hmm. And I know, you know, people are saying, well, like, well, you have to wait. And it's like, yeah, but then I don't know, you know, what's going on. I don't have to wait. Oh, what happens to this character? Oh, what happens with this character? I go in fresh and can just bang it through. Cool. I think they might be doing them in kind of doubles this this year uh, with season three because they did one and two and they recently released three and today they released four. They only, re- they only released episode 3 a couple of weeks ago. So, I don't know if they're going to do the same with, um... Yeah, there'd only be one left, wouldn't there? Because I don't, I don't know when they're going to release 5. But they seem to be doing them in kind of doubles. Yeah. I don't know if it's, if it's what they Well, you would think... You would think with the mo- the second movie coming out next weekend that they'd want the, to be finished up before that came out. Or just have, like, all of them. It's like one big shebang, but... I have a feeling that if you... You know when you go to cinema and you see adverts? It depending on when you get there. And when you see adverts before, I have a feeling that they'd put the, the, the Telltale game in, in there. Maybe ad- advertise it. I mean, it's possible, but you got to figure anybody that's going to see that movie probably already plays video games and has probably already heard about the video game anyway. Maybe. Maybe, like, the parents of those people probably haven't heard of it, but then they might not be playing the video games anyway, so... Maybe. Um, but yeah, I played the first episode of this. It came out a week or so ago. Um, or a couple of weeks ago. It was pretty good. The characters were still as fun and funny and, you know, had as good chemistry as, as they did in the film. Um, some parts of it were particularly slow, but I feel like the problem with the first episode is that you kind of know where it's going, and it's just a case of getting there. Uh-huh. Um... Because obviously I won't like spoil the first episode, but once the certain thing happens and you're like, okay, they have to make this decision or this decision, which is ultimately going to be your decision because that's that's how those games work. And that's how games work themselves. Um, it was sort of like, okay, I know where it's going. Can we kind of get there? But then I kind of thought, okay, this is this is once they get to this particular point, that's going to be like end of episode cliffhanger thing. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, they got there, and then they uh, finished the first episode. So I was a, a little bit bored during some of the middle parts, mainly because of that particular reason. But um, what I feel like you should have done is you could have still had the same storyline, but I feel like the particular checkpoint that you get to have more of a build-up to that rather than kind of dragging the aftermath out. Or at least push that checkpoint bit forward a bit more, because it didn't the checkpoint thing itself didn't really have that much build up it sort of kind of went straight there for the most part um 
So yeah, I feel like if they just kind of push that forward a bit more to like the more more the middle to the to, or towards the end of the episode, and then you kind of had build up the checkpoint and then the aftermath and then the conclusion, it might have worked slightly better. But um, that's just kind of my take. Um, so let's move into a little bit of actual news. Um, Call of Duty World War Two was announced for this year. Uh, I saw a couple of screenshots, but I saw them on my phone, so I don't know how good they actually looked. But like like some people say, you can't actually see a 4K anything, in essence, on an actual 4K screen. It will never look 4K until it's on the 4K screen. Um, any th- any thoughts on on this? Uh, I've never been the biggest fan of uh, you know World War Two shooters, but you know obviously the genre still supports it because it's always one of the biggest selling games that come out, so I'm not surprised that they went back to World War Two. That's always kind of been the go-to. Uh, I do like it that they tried to go to World War One, you know, bring a little bit more historical, you know, fact to it, a little bit more interesting. Because I am a bit of a history buff, and so anytime they do a game to where it says you, you know, puts you in a scenario, and then you think, oh, that was kind of interesting. I wonder what the full history is on that, and then you go research that history a little bit. Uh, games like that, I always love that get made even though I don't always play them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so going back to World War II is not unexpected. I mean, that is kind of like the default setting for a lot of that. Uh, so we'll just see what happens with it. Yeah, I mean, like, the difference between this and Battlefield 1 is that Battlefield is a different game. It's got the Frostbite engine, and it's a lot less arcade and a lot more realistic. But I guess it's, you know, if you prefer the arcade like, hit marker, shooter game you're going to go for the Call of Duty whereas if you want the sort of camera bubble realistic you know mud on the tank um sort of graphics then you'll go for the Battlefield so um I think it's just uh, a case of like gamer's choice sort of thing you know go for what mm-hmm. go for what you sort of want for um so there's not much I didn't find much else with that and I just thought I'd uh, get our quick thoughts on that um Another game uh, that was announced, uh, this was a couple of weeks ago, because we did the whole, guess the console startup last week. Uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2 was announced for November 17th, I think. I think that's the day it was. Um, it will have no season pass, it will have a single player campaign, and it will have characters from all the eras, including Darth Maul, Yoda, Kylo Ren, Darth Vader, um, and Luke Skywalker. Um, are you excited for this? A little bit. I mean, it's always interesting to see where they go with it. I haven't. I didn't really play the that game, uh, just because I don't. T- I tend not to play games that are a hundred percent multiplayer, to mm. where they're shooters. I mean, obviously, I've been playing a lot of uh, GTA Online, mm. but like I said, I oh, was going into that's the, definitely not like a, a yeah. dedicated shooter. So yeah, now, that, the, see, I do all the. I do most of the racing stuff with that. So. Mm. Um, so do you think this game will work? Do you think it'll be better? I mean, they got the whole... The two complaints last with the last game, which was in 2015, was that there was a season pass, and that they were dragging the content out because it was all in the season pass. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the fact that there was no single-player campaign. So do you think that will work better for them this time? I think they can... I think they learned enough about what people liked and didn't like in the last game that they'll uh, figure out what to do right. Mm. Um... Would you buy it for like maybe the campaign? See what that's like. Uh, it would honestly. I'd have to wait to see how long the campaign is. 
Uh, I mean, if it's like a 10, 20 hour campaign, probably not, but if they do... Oh, like I a... think it'll be like a, a Battlefield or Call of Duty. Yeah. Um, which, fun fact, Black Ops 3 had like a 14 hour campaign, because they usually are like 5 to 8 hours, because Battlefield 1 was like 6, maybe 7 hours, because the, the sto- the, each story is about an hour or an hour and a half each, so... Yeah, rough, roughly about that length. Um, so, yeah, what, what do you kind of think of that? Uh, honestly, I'll just have to wait and see on it, see where they go with it okay. before I make any decisions on that. And see what uh, what the gameplay is like. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I have, I have a topic of discussion that we could we could talk about, um, which is kind of something we brought up a bit earlier with, like, difficult games and, and sort of things like that. Um, I have some suggestions written down just in case you don't have any off the top of your head. Uh, what are some of the hardest games you've played that you can remember? Some of the hardest games that I've played? Well, definitely, uh, that would have to go back to my youth. So like games like uh, Ghosts and Goblins, uh, Ninja Gaiden, those were both really, really hard games. But like I said, those were uh, not intentionally hard. Yeah. Um, they were just, you know, factors of the, uh, you know, the, the genre itself. Uh, more recently, what was a really hard game recently? I mean, basically, it kind of depends on the game in terms of, like, settings. Like, like games like uh, you know, Bloodborne and uh, all those games, those genres, they're intentionally designed hard, and some just have, like, a setting mm. to be hard. Yeah. So, uh... Okay. Uh, well, something that I got written down on our, um... Resident Evil 5, uh, Resident Evil 7, I didn't play 6, so, um... That's not on this list. I can't remember if it was Far Cry 2 or 3, but I remember there was one of the Far Cries that I struggled with. I think it was 3. So it was the only one that I actually finished. Um, any Resident Evil games you struggled with? I never really played those games. Okay. Those are just some of the suggestions I've written, written down, and then things like Bloodborne, which, you know, as we said, they're kind of designed to be harder games. Um, which I kind of understand from some level, uh, but when it's when it's just for me, when it's just the case of you die over and over and over and over again, um, especially if you don't have experience with those sort of tough games, like like myself... Uh, then it can just be a case of annoying rather than a tough challenge. Um, have you ever played any like Dark Souls games? I I know I played Dark Souls uh, a little bit, and I kind of got into it a little bit, but then, then again, like I said, when it's hard for the sake of hard, uh, the, then eventually I just run out on that in terms of my interest. Yeah, that's kind of, I think we're both kind of in the same boat there. Um, so yeah, I just thought we'd see if, if there's any any suggestions there. Um, so yeah, that's all of my stuff that I have to talk about. So what did you have for third party and Xbox? Alrighty, uh, a few things. I mentioned the uh, GTA update. Uh, there's good, The next update for GTA is called... Uh, well, it's not really called anything, but it's kind of a top-down racer. Uh, it's called actually. Sorry, the page was relo- reloading on me. Uh, it's called Tiny Racers, and if you ever played uh, any of those micro machine racing games back on the C three hundred and sixty, that's what visually it's going to look like. So it's going to have your car. So like any of the cars that you've got, 
through the online, any upgrades you've made through those cards. That'll be a factor in the race itself, but it's going to be a, a third-person isometric uh, top-down racer. Uh, but you'll still get, like, the weapons, power-up, the explosions, the races, the jumps, things like that. It should be a lot of fun. Okay. There's a, there's a level in Ukulele uh, that's a little bit like that. You, you you talk to this character called Retro Dinosaur or something, and he's mm-hmm. like, do friends want to play this game? I mean, n- none of the characters really speak clearly and cleanly um, in Ukulele. Um, and I don't mean in terms of, like, the way the char- you can hear the character speak. I mean, like, the actual... <sighs> kind of written out dialogue uh not all of them are they're, they're kind of it's kind of intentional as well i guess from like a, a design thing but he's like do friends want to play like retro arcade game that i made um and then one of them is like a top-down arcade like racing shooter game so that was that was kind of interesting so um yeah what uh what else does it have there uh well if you're uh been streaming a little bit on twitch the Twitch company is starting to open up ways for you to actually monetize your stream. Uh, you don't know. You no longer need to be a member of Twitch's exclusive group of partnered streamers to start making money. Good. Cause uh, you need like a thousand followers. I mean, I know mm-hmm. a lot of successful people have that many followers, but uh, yeah, I probably should use Twitch a lot more. Yeah, so do I. But again, gotta move to a new area where I have better mm-hmm. internet and then I could start streaming. Anyway, the functionality cheering with bits, which you might have seen on some of your streams lately, is going to be opened up to more people. Uh, basically what it is is that cheering is how you can tip a partnered revenue sharing uh, streamer 0.014 US American cents at a time with their bits. And that's, if you see the little icon on the screen, it'll have like a little cup and you'll see like confetti-looking thing, bouncing around. Those are the cheering with bits. Um, You can buy them as a viewer through Twitch, or you can sit through ads to earn them. Uh, According to Twitch itself, over a billion bits have been launched, have been used since the launch, and that encourages them to open up for affiliate design streamers and to open it up. So the math is basically 1.4 million million worth of bits have been cheered through uh, Twitch so far. Uh, and obviously Twitch is trying to avoid the situation that YouTubers are finding themselves in for like what they're calling the quote-unquote middle-class users, uh, people that you know kind of have a following and it's kind of big, but it's not nearly uh, you know uh, PewDiePie, Jesse Cox, Total Biscuit, people like that that have like like massive massive followers. Yeah, um, but they're trying to encourage yeah more people to have it. Maybe as like a side hustle, I guess would be the best term although i don't know if that translates over into the uk yeah i I heard somebody online or in like a i think it was like probably in one of the facebook groups talk about like how youtube won't um is restricting to pay you until you get um at least ten thousand views and some guy was like oh i don't know how i managed to do this and then somebody else was like well you'll probably need at least that to even start earning anyway and i was like yeah he's right i don't know why you'd have a problem with that like, did you think you'd be able to get money before 10,000 views? Because you need roughly that many to get that much anyway. So, um, I don't really see mm. the difference. So, uh, what, what, what else did you have? Well, esports is definitely coming along in terms of viability and mainstream 
access, uh, the Olympic Council of Asia, the OCA, said it wanted to reflect the rapid and development popularity of this new sport, new form of sporting participations, and thus is going to make the 2022 Asian Games for esports a medaled event. Uh, it's actually going to be debuting uh, in the 2018 Asian Games in Jakarta uh, as a demonstration sport, and then the next Asian Games in 2022, it will be a medal event. So uh, this move is in part due to its partnership deal with e-commerce uh, beast in Asia, Alibaba, uh, which is its esports arm. Uh, this makes them another milestone for esports, one that definitely doesn't involve zeros attached to prize uh, pools for contests, mm-hmm. but it is a big thing that you can actually win uh, Olympic Asian medal in esports. Okay, that sounds pretty good. What, uh, what else do you have? Well, sticking in uh, the Asian continent, uh, Chinese gaming company Tencent, you probably haven't heard of them. Nope. Uh, but they are huge on the back end of it. They own League of Legends Studio Riot Games. They own mobile game company Supercell. And they have uh, not major ship owners, but they do have some partnership ownership of Epic Games, Activision Blizzard, Robot Entertainment, Blue Mobile, as well as others. Total revenue for the 2016 fiscal year of uh, Tencent Company was in the neighborhood of $22 billion, which is why it was a huge news announcement a couple of days ago that they are going to partner with Nico Partners Analyst and they're going to basically take on Steam. Uh, they're rebranding their company, well, their digital online platform company as Wii Games, as WE Games. Okay. And they're going to be launching a, a Tencent gaming platform. Uh, it's an attempt to take, uh, not take over, but definitely take competition with Steam and digital downloads uh, for distribution of games. Okay. Uh, Nico Partners clarified in a statement sent to the Venture Beast capitalists saying the information uh, came from the Chinese website. It didn't state specifically a global expansion of Wii Games as part of the programming, as part of the rebranding. Uh, but anytime you have somebody that's that deep into games getting into the digital distribution, it should make things interesting. Cool. Nice. We'll see how that uh, develops going forward. Yeah, I'm a big fan of competition, and Steam obviously has done very, very well. Microsoft is still trying to compete with Steam on their Microsoft uh, Windows Store platform, Mm -hmm. uh, which is part of the reason why they've been unifying all their operating systems. So, you know, the Xbox and the PC with Windows 10, and surprisingly functional but not really well-received Windows 10 mobile platform on cell phones. Uh, pretty much everybody does Android or iPhones. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. if you know, if you don't really like either of those platforms, the Windows 10 form is a viable option. It's not like the Kick phone they tried a few years ago and then you know promptly abandoned. Uh, it is doable. Both my parents actually own Windows phones. I intentionally got them into that because you know they're both you know not old, but they both have some eyesight issues, and the Windows phone is the only phone operating system where you can actually resize the tiles you can't do that on iphone and i don't know if you can do that on android i haven't really played with that os enough to really figure out a way to do that but like i haven't i haven't seen any options for that 
So, but yeah, but instead of doing like apps, it's basically tiles like you see on Windows 10 computers and uh, the Xbox. It's those weird square tiles, but you can just resize them all. Okay. And that was a that was a big push for them, at least for me. A big push for me to push them on that platform because that way, you know, you don't search for the little tiny thing. This phone, you can just make the phone icon half the size of the phone if you want. Mm. I mean, there is the um widget options on the on the Android. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, but that which, which that I, involves. I have a couple of things on there with that, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I haven't really, uh, experimented all that much with that, so. Yeah, but that, the widgets do, involves tweaking the operating system a little bit, and I've always been leery of that. Hmm. Yeah, I just, it's just like a couple of, um, sort of panel things that I put in, so. Um, well, what else you got? Uh, if you know who uh, Alex Hutchinson is, he is an Ubisoft veteran. He's worked for the company for almost 10 years. Uh, he is leaving the company to start his own development studio, which seems to be a trend recently. Mm-hmm. Somebody, you'll get like two or three friends, they'll start up a company, they'll get really, really big. And then one of them just kind of wants to go off and do his own thing. Um, Call him Mario. He was, uh, <laughs> yeah, he was the director of uh, Far Cry 4 and Assassin's Creed 3. Uh, he says he's incredibly proud of the team. He just wants to go his own way. Uh, although he has had some controversy back in 2012. I don't know if you remember this, but he called AAA games a cancerous growth in the gaming industry. He said that uh, nothing but AAA blockbusters and making them a little more than dinosaurs. Uh, he said something similar in 2013. Uh he wants to go more into the indie route, uh, even though he's uh, doing, you know, he like obviously Far Cry 4 was after 2012, so he was still working in the industry, but he's uh, uh, wants to kind of go more the indie route, and he's really uh, intent on other people going that route, too. I'm not quite sure why, though. Hmm. Yeah, I saw something on, um, I think it was the Xbox... Somewhere on Xbox, either on their site or on their YouTube, on Twitter, or maybe Phil retweeted it. I think Phil Spencer retweeted it, and he was like, congratulations to the idea Xbox team for making 500 games. And I was like, mm-hmm. where are all these games? They never get advertised. I mean, that's my biggest frustration with the Microsoft online store in terms of that. Hmm. I don't see them much on the actual store itself, like on, yeah. on the Xbox. There should definitely be a... A section. I can never find it, so that's just... I'm sure there's tons of games that are awesome games, but they never really get highlighted. I mean, you got the little tiles that pop up on the right-hand column when you first launch your Xbox, but you kind of got... You go uh, blind to those because, you know, some of them are just advertisements. Unless you want the uh, uh, charcoal company-branded uh, apron for your avatar, which you never use. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, I'd like to... Have a look into some of these games because you know they've made some really good games um, mm-hmm. over the years for like the indie stuff. So I'd like to see some more of that. They just have like a, an idea Xbox section. I can never, unless there is one that somebody can tell me where where it is or something. But um, yeah, I always just see like demos coming soon, new releases, preview demos, back compat, um, and maybe one other thing. But, yeah, that's mostly what I see on the game store. I mean, when I look on there, so. Um, funny though, I also, uh, was reading a conversation, some guy talking about, like, his backlog of games. And this guy said to him, he was like, yeah, I searched through the store for, like, half an hour, and I got so overwhelmed that I had to go to sleep. 
So, uh, yeah, obviously he must have a good few games that he's missed. So, um, I mean, sometimes with the amount of games that get released nowadays, it's hard to keep track of, of all these games. So, um, but then I guess that's what pins are for as well. But, uh, you know, that's that. Um, what else have you got? Uh, one last thing. Uh, it's still in the alpha, so obviously a lot of the things about it can change. But Microsoft is looking like it's going to introduce features similar to the refund feature that Steam issued uh, and started up uh, a while back. Hmm. According to Reddit uh, user Gamer Raver, uh, in the preview program for Xbox One, uh, you'll be able to do a refund of digital purchase programs. Uh, there are several caveats to that. Uh, the game has to be played for less than two hours. Uh, you can't bad. do it after, yeah. You can't do it uh, 14 days after purchase. DLC season passes and certain as yet unnamed Windows 10 Zap are not included. Also, Microsoft reserves the right to boot anyone that thinks it's abusing the systems and taking too many refunds. Although, uh, like I said before, this is still in an alpha feature and not rolled out, so any of those changes could be uh, swapped out yeah. at pretty much any given time. Okay. I mean, it's a good idea, and I, I've never accidentally like purchased anything digitally. I don't know about you, but um, I mean, it, you'd have to press a few buttons to accidentally buy a digital game, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, one way to help this, not to change it or get rid of it, if you keep this system in place, is have more demos and more trials. Make them like an hour or something, um, just so that somebody can get kind of a, a short sort of feel for the game. Um, I, I think would be, because you used to have a lot of demos back in the day, and I don't, I don't know why, uh, or at least back when I was sort of younger. Um, and I don't know why um, that's all stopped. And to be fair, they are doing that a little bit more. They do have the uh, preview program. Yeah. Uh, it's not as ex as blah, 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 blah. It, <laughs> it's not as extensive as it needs to be mm. for something like that. But they are making headway on it. Yeah, there's some things there, but I mean more in like the demo game demos themselves. I mean, you have like Forza and FIFA and Resident Evil, Just Dance some games like that in the demos, but uh, I think some more of them would, would be helpful. Just like an hour or something. I mean, if you play one hour of Resident Evil and it's like a 10 hour game, that's not really going to affect the developer that much. Because then, hey, maybe, mm -hmm. it, maybe it influences the gamer to buy, buy your game and then you therefore make more money. But um, yeah, maybe there's contracts and rights and things that maybe have changed behind the scenes that we don't know about. So maybe that plays a part in it as well uh but yeah i think the i think this is a good idea to issue be able to issue refunds and i think the the two windows that you mentioned the two hours and the 14 days are are pretty good so um i mean because if you pass either of those times then you've played the game for longer than what you maybe uh should have in terms of a refund like if you played it for 13 days uh or like you played it for 13 days but more than two hours then you know uh you may have may have finished it by that point so i think the two hours is a good um sort of time slot for it and the 14 days is a good length of time for like you know to be able to give the gamer an opportunity to to get the refund back so yeah, i think it's pretty good what, what do you think of the rules 
I think it's good rules. Like I said, it is uh, obviously still in alpha, so where it goes from there is going to be anybody's guess. Mm. Uh, but, you know, it can always be tweaked. It can always be uh, updated and changed. So, Cool. All right. What, uh, what else did you have? Uh, that's all I had for, you know, multi-platform slash Microsoft. Everything else I had was for Nintendo. Okay. So we'll see you just, just after this for some Nintendo news. And we're back with some Nintendo news. What did you have? Uh, well, obviously, everybody's been talking about the fact that uh, Nintendo discontinued the NES Classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not quite sure why they did and that. Some people I have must be been upset by that. So yeah, the only thing that makes sense is they have this weird crippling fear of money and success. Mm. Uh, the games <laughs> themselves on a uh, uh, digital retail level, like on the resale market, are still going for five times the uh, retail market. So, if, you know, if it's $60 US, they're going for about 300 on, mm. like, Amazon's, you know, when you make your own store and uh, uh, eBay, things like that. So, but, of course, once that popped up that they discontinued it, they uh, that automatically brought up the rumors that they were going to make a Super NES Classic. Uh, and some people have made some pretty convincing mock-ups of what that would look like if they were going to do that. Obviously, nothing official has come out yet that I have heard of. Yeah. So. I saw I saw a video a few, maybe a few months ago, from uh, Jim Sterling. I think you've probably heard of him. Um, a, a great guy, and he's really entertaining to watch. I watched his um, Outlast 2 first impressions this morning, and that was pretty sort of fun and, and quite funny. So um, that's a good video to go and check out. But yeah, he did a video on... Um, I can't remember the title or, or what it was originally about, but there was a part in the video where uh, he made fun of the the NES's like you know the the, the relaunch of these that they did. Um, he did he made fun of like how short the controller lead was, and he was sort of like he had like the NES in the air, and he was trying to like pull it back uh, like further. And it was I thought that was pretty funny. So because um, why why would you make a new controller that short? Why would you do that? I just, uh, you know, I kind of agree with him. That it was, it was really silly. Um, so, yeah, what, what, what did you want to mention with it? Oh, nothing. Just it's one of those things that it makes no. I mean, if they, you know, had sold like you know twenty, thirty million, something like that, and they just realized that they weren't going to sell anymore, uh, that would be one thing. Um, but obviously, there's still a big demand for it, as you know, for the the crazy high markup on the uh, resale market. Mm -hmm. Uh, The fact that uh, it sold out pretty much immediately from the second it went live, and the fact that it's still, you know, in such high demand, you know, it's like I said, it it makes no sense as to why they would uh, not uh, make one of those. Yeah, that's like ripping away content that people want. It doesn't make any sense. Um... So, yeah, it's very, very strange. Um, I also did see a video that he did, uh, Jim Sterling. Um, I couldn't actually find it. I saw it posted in a Facebook group, and then I, for some reason, couldn't find it. I don't know if it got taken down or, or what happened, but it was like, what is Nintendo's problem? Um, so I'm going to have a look, another look at that video and uh, see what he has to say. I think that was maybe one of his gym acquisitions or something, but um, 
yeah, weirdly I couldn't find it on his actual YouTube page, so maybe it got, I don't know, I don't know the story of that, but, um, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sticking with, Nintendo are a very, competitive, like, let's say you have the big three, Sony, Nintendo, Microsoft, I mean, Microsoft is getting more, more and more PC, so, you know, PC's kind of its, PC's kind of its own thing, in terms of, like, these other three, um, but Microsoft and Sony seem to just do normal things, whereas Nintendo seem to like, you know, have the strange lack of third-party support, um, which is is it has been better with the Switch, but it's still an odd kind of relationship that they have with third-party developers. Because like I, I I was thinking about the Switch recently and like how few third-party games it's had kind of re-released, and I thought back to when like the PlayStation Four and the Xbox One were getting. Um, announced and then i think i saw ign on on that day probably ign they were like this game and this game and this game and this game they're all third party games they've all been announced for the xbox one um and it just felt so much more normal you're like yeah this is what would happen um so i i don't know it's just nintendo are a bit of a confusing and and strange company i know that they're the japanese company and um you know Microsoft and Sony are American, so I, I don't know if that's got anything to do with it, but, you know, from, like, their press conferences are obviously a lot, a lot more out there and a lot more sort of wacky um, in terms of, like, the presentation. There's nothing wrong with that specifically, but it's just, you know, one of the differences. And then just, like, with from, like, the Wii U and then, like, the, the Switch, there's just not... There doesn't seem to be that oomph there. I mean, the Switch is a great idea, and I can't wait to get one, hopefully eventually. Um, but there just seems to be this weird off kind of relationship with third-party developers, and like, you don't really hear third-party developers talk about, like, I want my game on the Switch kind of thing. It's more like, um, the guy from Blizzard at Overwatch was like, I'm not sure if this, this could get on the Switch kind of thing. I'm not sure if it could run properly or, like, be good for that system, and it's just... It's just an odd relationship. What would you kind of think? Well, I think with the Switch, with both the uh, portability of it and the size of the screen, it's something that you would have to intentionally design yeah. uh, for the Switch. Um, I'm, I'm sticking with my original theory of a fear of money and success, because that's the only thing that really makes any kind of a sense. Yeah, I heard um, Colin Moriarty talk about that as well. Like on one of the, I think the episode, the Game Over Greg episode was called Colin's Anxiety. And he says sometimes, like, he wakes up in the morning and he's like, my girlfriend's too nice, this company is too successful, I'm too happy. Um, so, yeah, I can kind kind of, in some ways, understand that. You know, when, when it's that kind of fear of things are a bit too good for me right now, maybe something bad is going to happen and then that kind of fear sets in. I could definitely relate in that way. Um, so, I, I definitely can understand what he means. So... Yeah. What uh, what else did you want to say on that? Uh, that's really all I had for news. Everything else is either kind of old and not really topical anymore, or it's been talked to death. So. Okay. Yeah. When when I go to look for news, I go to look for things that I am interested in, and kind of the the you know if there's a really big piece of news like you know we've established we're not really interested in Destiny, but like Destiny Two gets a new reveal trailer and it's like the first piece we talk about that kind of thing, but. You know, when there's like the weekly DLC updates, we're not going to talk about that stuff because we're just not really interested. So, 
Um, and it, it doesn't make for as good conversation, I feel, when we pick news topics we're not really interested in. So, because um, obviously the higher the interest, the better the conversation, really. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, sure, the, like I said, the bigger news stories, um, we kind of, I feel a bit more of an obligation to cover because, like, it's such a big thing and, like, get our initial reaction. But I try to tailor it a bit more towards at least what I'm interested in and what you might be interested in. So, um,. Yeah, so you said that's all the news you have? Yeah, that's really all I had that I kind of was had any interest in talking about. Everything else is just, you know, kind of by their wayside, so. Okay, cool. So thanks for listening to this episode of Random Gaming Talk. If you'd like to check out all the rest of the contents, which there should be a TV episode, either as you're listening to this or within a couple of hours or so. Um, I'll try and upload them maybe at the same time. So, um, yeah, there should be another TV episode, which you can check out on entertainmenttalk.org. That's the website, just in case you're listening on iTunes or whatnot. But if you are listening to this and you have made it this far, then thank you. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at eTalkUK. Send us some tweets, or you can follow us, retweet, or like our tweets, which some more people have been doing, which I'm pretty happy with. Um, if you'd like to send us any emails, anything you'd maybe like to dis- discuss with me, because... I have the email. Um, you can send them to entertainmenttalk@hotmail.com. They can be topics as well. If you like, if you don't have Twitter or something, I don't entirely blame you. Um, I, I've seen a couple of celebrities sort of be like, "Yeah, I'm coming. I'm coming off of Twitter. It's just a bit too toxic in terms of like internet hate." So, if you're one of those people, I understand. Um, and lastly, if you'd like to support these projects that we're doing or redeem a reward for a specific review you'd like us to do, you can head over, head over to patreon.com for such entertainment talk and pick what you would like. So thank you for listening and we'll see you for TV episode shortly. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.